The economy is getting back underway and with it, the world of pro sports. Stay ahead of the curve with the unparalleled tools of two world-class news desks covering developments across finance, economics, technology, and sports. Subscribe to Bloomberg.com. And if you're not already an athletic subscriber, for a limited time, receive a complimentary subscription to The Athletic. Go to Bloomberg.com slash subscribe to sign up today. Three of this season's top producers hit the injured list, and a pair of likely closers are set to return soon. Like death and taxes, Dodgers get a Dodger. I have not had uh, three co-crews yet. It works great in a fantasy I'm just glad I am not at the dentist. Fantasy Baseball in 15. On The Athletic. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball in 15 for Monday, August 17th. I'm Al Melkier, and we kick the week off, as we always do, with Derek Van Riper and DVR. Uh, it's become the uh, the norm, but we have a lot of injury news to break down from the weekend. Before we do that, though, let's uh, catch up on the latest uh, developments uh, in terms of cancellations related to uh, COVID cases and COVID testing. Uh, the Reds, uh, they, of course, were paused during the weekend. They'll be paused on Monday as well. They will not make up their games that they missed with the Pirates on Monday as they are still waiting for their latest rounds of uh, round of COVID-19 test results. Uh, the Pirates will resume their play uh, on Tuesday against the Indians. So I think the only thing we can really do here is uh, to wait and see what happens uh, between now and lineup lock on Monday and uh, I'm sure we'll have news one way or the other at that point, but um, let's uh, get on with the injuries here. Uh, Bo Bichette is on the 10-day injured list with a sprained right knee, and there was a report from Rob, uh, from Rob Longley of the Toronto Sun saying that Bichette could be out for as long as um, really until the middle of, of September, uh, that this is a worse injury than it appeared to be initially. So obviously a big blow to uh, anybody who had Bichette on their roster. But Dylan Moore is still out there in quite a few leagues, a lot of 12-team leagues, certainly 10-team leagues. So for people in standard and shallower leagues, does Moore represent uh, at least an approximate replacement given how he's produced so far? I mean, I think you're looking for someone who brings power and speed at the very least. I think the hardest thing to find is power, speed, and a great hit tool like Bo Bichette brings to the table. Guys like that just rarely are available on the wire. But I do think with Dylan Moore, I, I didn't expect speed at all from him. Four homers on the season, five steals. He's got a 55.3% hard hit rate. And he's playing every day. So I think he makes a ton of sense. If you compare him to J.P. Crawford, his teammate, I think Moore's production's just a few levels above at this point, even though Crawford plays a lot. I definitely trust more from a fantasy perspective, uh, much to a much greater degree than I trust JP Crawford. And then you look at someone like Willie Adames in Tampa Bay. I've always been kind of intrigued by Adames. I think you like him too. I think he still has one more level, but I've been saying that for almost two years now. <laughs> and I don't know if we're actually going to get there so far this year. He's kind of scratching that surface. 284, 377, 522, a couple of home runs and a stolen base, and he plays a ton. So I think if you want to go a little more like categorical juice, Dylan Moore is probably your best option. And if you want to just lock in a lot of playing time, 
Willie Adames is probably the better floor player of those two. Yeah, and he certainly, at least so far, looks like he can give you that power element as well. Um, so uh, batting in the lower part of the raise order, maybe not uh, ideal in terms of run production. But, uh, you know, you're just not going to be able to replace Popeshed, unfortunately, in just, uh, you know, just about any format, unfortunately. And he's been uh, a top 10 producer among all hitters in Roto League so far. Um, that's also been the case for Aaron Judge. DJ LeMahieu has been a top 20 hitter in Roto up to this point, and those two Yankees have also been placed on the injured list over the weekend. Judge with a calf strain, LeMahieu with a sprained left thumb, and uh, I have not seen anything in terms of a timetable for LeMahieu. For Judge, it could be close to a minimum stay for him, so that's certainly good news if, uh, if that pans out. Uh, it's a little odd to say that those three players have been top 20 hitters uh, so far, and Ronald Acuna has been nowhere close to a top 20 hitter. Uh, but that said, uh, we are certainly not happy to see him go on the IL, uh, which he did over the weekend with uh, left wrist inflammation. Uh, Michael Brantley to the DL with the quad injury. Steven Strasburg with um, carpal tunnel neuritis, uh, basically still dealing with that nerve issue in his hand. Kirby Yates with elbow inflammation and Tyler Chatwood, who, of course, the last time out, very disappointing start for him, then had his next start pushed back. And then the Cubs placed him on the injured list with a back strain. So a lot of IL moves there, DVR, um, uh, any fallout from any of these, uh, basically a, a player getting playing time now, at least in the short term, that maybe we need to uh, to take stock of. If you're in a shadow league where Drew Pomeranz is somehow still available, I think Kirby Yates' injury should be the last nudge you need to pick him up because we're talking about a guy that could strike out maybe 40% of the batters that he faces. He was already getting saves anyway. And with Yates, it's an elbow issue. I believe I saw one report that said bone chips in the back of his elbow. So it's the kind of thing that maybe he could pitch through, but how effective he'd be is a question. I think Drew Pomerantz is good enough to roster even if he's not getting saves. So I think he's definitely one of those guys who gets an uptick in value as a result of these news items. Uh, the Braves could bring up Christian Pache. They haven't done it yet. So Ender Inciarte's playing time probably stabilizes a bit. He has been in a slump. He's chipping in some cheap speed, but not much else. Um, so I feel a little better about him. We'll see if, if Austin Riley's playing time also stabilizes as the Braves move some players around as a result of Acuna's absence. I think the Brantley injury buys more time for Kyle Tucker. He had a walk-off home run on Sunday, so taking advantage of that opportunity, he can actually coexist in the outfield a bit longer with Josh Reddick now that Jordan Alvarez is back, although Alvarez is day-to-day -day again with knee trouble, so that's an ongoing problem. And then the Strasburg situation is one where I just don't see another depth starter behind Austin Voth. You get to like Eric Fetty. I don't see anything there with Fetty that I'm really interested in in most leagues. Uh, for Chatwood, Colin Ray got the start for the Cubs. I think it was on Saturday. Pitched okay for part of that start, but I think they see him as a little more of like a long reliever or more of a follower type. So I don't know if there's a, a big winner as it pertains to the Cubs rotation with Chatwood down. Yeah, it seems like the Cubs have gotten to that point with their rotation depth where, uh, yeah, th there's not an obvious candidate there. And maybe it's where they go with a piggyback situation or, um, you know, bullpen games or something like that. Uh, but that'll, that remains to be seen. And you also mentioned, uh, Jordan Alvarez's situation. So that's one that we'll have to monitor up until lineup lock. A couple other players just to, um, 
keep tabs on as you're setting your lineups. Tommy Pham and Fran Mel Reyes, they both left games early on Sunday. Uh, so need to uh, you know make sure that they're going to be good to go for the coming week as well. And Will Smith, the Dodgers Will Smith, placed on the injured list with neck inflammation. And that prompted the Dodgers to call up Kieber Ruiz who then uh, proceeded to Homer in his first at bat. So that's always really cool when you see that, especially from a, uh, a prospect that we anticipate uh, doing big things like Ruiz. So um, I was very happy to pick him up in Tout Wars this weekend in, in our weekly fab, but I'm still not sure how the uh, the playing time is going to shake out. Uh, and part of that obviously depends on Smith's timetable and uh, the use of Austin Barnes, but, you know, seemed like a, a, a relatively, uh, good uh, flyer to take uh, on somebody with some uh, some impressive ceiling to be sure yeah i mean ruiz just turned 22 in july and if you look back at some of his minor league numbers you see extremely low strikeout rates you see pretty good obps at lower levels as well uh, the power is still developing but he hit 12 homers in just 101 games at double a back in 2018 so i think there is something there to be interested in, especially in two catcher leagues where that second catcher spot, if you didn't draft two good ones or at least draft two guys who play a lot, it's kind of a revolving door on the wire trying to find somebody playing enough to make an impact. I think he can at least be useful as an upgrade second catcher for a lot of people, kind of a 25 to 30 range guy at a minimum at the position simply because of his plate skills. So I dropped him for Francisco Mejia and in a normal season, that's not a move I would have made. Maybe I would have carried a third catcher, but in a short season like this, uh, I'm cutting bait on some players that are off to really slow starts. I think you have to consider how a slow start, which is now taken up 25% of a team's games, is going to impact a player in this shortened season because it is different. And in the case of Mejia, he has a great defender as his backup in Austin Hedges. So if you're the Padres, you're trying to win every game, try to make the playoffs you're going to play the guy who's a great framer, who controls the running game, who does everything exceptionally well defensively if the alternative in Mejia isn't hitting enough to make an impact, right? Like that's a sort of easy sort of decision if you're in the position of the of the Padres front office right now. It's frustrating because it looked like Mejia had figured things out in the second half of last season, Al. I didn't think he'd collapse to begin this year and I'm right there with you. If this were a normal 162-game scenario, he probably wouldn't be on the chopping block, and I think there's still some long-term appeal. I think if I'm in a, a keeper or a dynasty league and I'm looking to the future, he might be the kind of guy I'm trading for, especially in two-catcher formats. But in redraft leagues, I think you're right to strongly consider the drop. Yeah, well, I, uh, I went ahead and pulled the trigger, and uh, we'll see how that works out for me. And a, a much lower-profile prospect call-up, but I think one that's at least worth monitoring, especially in deeper leagues. Marlins call-up Lewin Diaz as a corresponding move to uh, putting Corey Dickerson on the bereavement list. And Diaz debuted on Sunday for the Marlins against the Braves and was put right in the cleanup spot. So I think, if nothing else, that development uh, should put Diaz on our uh, on our radar. He did go 0 for 3 in that game, but a lot of power there. Um, so pretty intriguing if he does get some playing time. 
Uh, the Braves have uh, at last put Josh Tomlin in the rotation. He's going to start against the Nationals on Tuesday. He's been superb in relief and has been on that short list of potential um, rotation reinforcements. So uh, he'll be in there. And a couple of closer notes. Araldis Chapman, as expected, um, is slated to return to the Yankees on Monday, uh, coming off of the COVID uh, IL. And Yoshihisa Hirano uh, could be back with the Mariners. Um, it's it's not clear if it's going to be days or maybe a week or a little more than a week, but he is close to returning reportedly. So uh, another potential source of saves there. Uh, DVR, I think this is a good time now that we're, for some teams, a little bit more than a third through the season to take stock of some players who um, are ranking very high in terms of roto value and certainly weren't drafted to be uh, so productive. So I'm, I'm going to pick out three hitters and three pitchers. And from each list, I'd like you to just identify which hitter, which pitter, pitcher you think is maybe most legit and the one that's most worth targeting. So the hitters I'm going to highlight here, Dominic Smith, who going into Sunday ranked third among first basemen in Roto value. Uh, this coming week, uh, he and the Mets have four games at uh, Marlins Park and then three at home against the Yankees. Rio Ruiz, who's been a surprising power source, ranks 10th among third basemen in Roto value. And uh, the Orioles have three games at home against the Blue Jays and four at home against the Red Sox. And then Teoscar Hernandez, who's a perennial uh, stat cast hero. But this year, that's that's translating to actual fantasy value. He's ninth in roto value among outfielders. Three games at Baltimore, a doubleheader against the Phillies, and then three more games at Tampa Bay. So he's also got potential for playing time behind him for at least this week. Tasker Hernandez, Rio Ruiz, Dominic Smith. Who do you I like the best? I think when you count for the schedules, I like Teoscar Hernandez the most because of the extra game this week. I like Dom Smith. I believe in him as a, a great early season pickup for people who've done that or in some shallow leagues where he's still available. I would actually want to add him. But the Mets will see quite a few left-handed starters this week. So I do wonder if he ends up falling into a bit of a platoon and ultimately sits some of those games out. As it stands right now, I think Thursday, Friday, and Saturday during the upcoming week are all against left-handed starters. So it might be more of a four- or five-game week for him instead of a seven-game week. With Hernandez having a few lefties and a doubleheader and getting the possibility of eight games, I think that's enough to kind of put him at the top of the list, at least temporarily. Uh, Rio Ruiz is probably the guy that I believe in the least, but... I don't think they have a lot there to push him for playing time in Baltimore. You know, I think he's going to play as long as he continues to hit. So I'm kind of curious. Do you see anything close to the level that he's shown us thus far being his baseline? Not really. And I'll, I'll tell you, um, really, the uh, the impetus for me doing this little exercise is that I was looking at some of my own roster choices for the coming week. And even though we're more than a third of the way through the, the season, uh, I'm still looking at things like um, swinging strike rate or contact rate on pitches in the zone, little you know more granular types of measurements, um, you know than like things that are per at bat, um, you know like strikeout rate. Uh, just, you know, to get the bigger samples and it just doesn't add up for Ruiz. I don't know where that power is coming from. It looks really fluky. Uh, and, you know, I've got several players like that who on the surface look really terrific. And when you dig a, a level or two deeper, you, it's not a, not at all clear how they're doing it. And a player that I would put in that same category is Randy Dobnak. 
And yet he was featured in a piece, um, and spoiler alert, this is our featured read for today, uh, a piece from Eno Saris in The Athletic, his um, Command and Stuff report. And Dobnak ranks second behind Shane Bieber for that particular metric. But you know, if you go to a site like Fangraphs or Baseball Savant and you, you look at the peripherals there, it's really hard to see how Dobnak is, uh, has managed to be a top 20 starting pitcher in terms of fantasy value. Um, really incredible. So he's one of the three pitchers I want to highlight. Zach Davies, somebody who I personally do believe in what he has done so far, also has a two-start week coming this week at Texas and then at home versus the Astros. He is 21st in roto value among starters. And Josh Lindblom, who's not really ranking high in roto value because he's not preventing runs, but he's getting a lot of strikeouts, um, had a, a good game uh, on Sunday in terms of strikeouts, now has 28 in 17 and two-thirds innings on the season, uh, and he gets the Pirates in Pittsburgh this week. So Dobnak, Davies, Lindblom. I think it's Lindblom, but here? I'm also one to chase strikeouts, and I think he's just a level or two above what Davies and Dobnak can do. Matchup-wise, I do like that Dobna gets the Royals again, but Lindblom having the Pirates is a really soft landing spot. I think he's just mixing so many different pitches. Hitters have no idea what's coming right now. So I will say, Zach Davies, a little bit underrated, a lot safer pitching in San Diego than he ever was in Milwaukee. Interesting to see the K rate up for him. I just don't expect that to last. Whereas with Lindblom, I think he's going to keep missing bats at a pretty good clip. I mean, not the crazy high level he's at right now, but... I could see him being an eight, eight and a half case per nine guy when the season is over. Yeah, that's if he can get the ERA down, that's going to be really useful. So uh, check out uh, the pitchers who did make Eno's list in the command and stuff report. Uh, this is uh, a report that goes through the 14th. So it's not exactly up to date, but pretty close. So uh, check that out and you might be surprised by some of the results just like I was. So that is our featured read for today. And that's going to be it for this episode of fantasy baseball in 15. If you're listening to this podcast on a platform that allows you to leave a rating and a review, we would really appreciate it. If you do take the time to do that. For Derek Van Riper, I'm Al Melkier, and we'll be right back here on Tuesday. Tuesday.